We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers, and it's game day. We've got Lakers, Pistons tonight. I know the Pistons have not been a great team over the course of the season, but this is actually a really important game for the Lakers. In fact, these next two, back-to-back, Pistons, Jazz. We've got the Utah Jazz tomorrow night on the road. Important games. The Lakers have got to find ways to pick up wins. I'm going to get into why in just a moment. We need to talk a bit about Spencer Dinwiddie on today's show as well. The Lakers' new rotation, what Darvin Ham has revealed, and how I think all of that is going to shake out. We also need to talk about the Lakers' summer plans, this star-hunting strategy. Is this a good idea for L.A.? So lots to get into. Before we do, quick reminder, do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. And podcast listeners, great way to help out the show. Take like 15 seconds. Give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcast, or give us a review over on Spotify. Again, great way to help out the show if you are a podcast listener as well. All right, let's dive into everything, and let's start here. Spencer Dinwiddie, the newest Laker, had his first practice yesterday. That's right, we're talking about practice. Now, the Lakers and most NBA teams, they don't practice very often. I know that sounds weird. We're used to it, right? People growing up in sports, what do you do a lot? You practice. Uh, When I was really, really getting into uh, soccer, when I was in my teens and I was playing a ton, I would have multiple games every single weekend. I would have practice four or five nights a week. That's what we're used to. That's not the way professional sports go. And if you look at the Lakers this season, they've only had probably a handful of practices at this point because they typically only practice when they have multiple days in a row off and that only happens every so often during the NBA calendar usually if there's only a day off between games they'll give that day as a day off for guys to come in shoot around get whatever kind of work they need in and not go through a full formal practice they'll do film studies and things like that but the Lakers because they had three days in a row off from games uh, and of course one of those was Super Bowl Sunday they also had yesterday off And that meant an opportunity to get in a full practice, which was perfect timing to integrate the newest Laker, and that is Spencer Dinwiddie. Once again, they claimed him off of the market. They were able to uh, sign him anyway off the market. He was waived by the Toronto Raptors, and now he becomes the newest Los Angeles Laker. So after practice, Spencer Dinwiddie talked to the media a little bit, and you know it sounds like he's he's pretty excited to be a Laker. I liked what he said about you know he mentioned something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here 
about how he just wants to come and fit in. He's not coming in to try to be a star or anything like that. He just wants to come fit in and do what the team needs him to do. And I actually think that's something that's pretty important. You know, these guys that are coming off of waivers and Dinwiddie's case or the buyout market, and I know we tend to lump Spencer Dinwiddie in with the buyout market, but from my understanding, he didn't actually take a full buyout. A buyout usually means you're going to give a little bit of money back, but functionally, it's the same idea, right? He becomes a free agent. So these guys that are coming in at this point in the season, typically they're looking for minutes. They're looking for uh, an opportunity to play on a team that's going to go into the playoffs where they can really take advantage of that spotlight. They're typically older players, which is what Spencer Dinwiddie is. He's a veteran at this point, and they want to have an opportunity to showcase themselves for their next big contract. And usually the best place to do that, it's in the postseason. And of course, these guys also, there's going to be an added importance placed on winning, having an opportunity to win a championship because it's not like they're 22 and they're going to have another 15 years to go win a championship. So Spencer did when he's coming to LA and sometimes these kind of guys are looking for opportunities to really put up their own stats because again, you're playing for your next contract. So having did when he say, I'm coming to fit in, well, I wouldn't have expected anything less. That's still good to hear him say, look, I, I, you know, I'm not coming in to be a star. I'm not coming in to put up numbers or anything. I'm, I'm here to fit in. I'm here to do what the team needs me to do. And I do think that he's going to provide plenty of off-the-dribble drives for the Lakers. That's something this team definitely needs. They're not a team who drives to the basket a lot. LeBron James is usually the guy that's putting his head down and getting to the rim. Spencer Dinwiddie can help them certainly in that category. Now, he hasn't shot the ball well this season, and we've talked about that. I am hoping that that percentage is going to come up, the three-point percentage and the field goal percentage, which was simply not good enough. Um, hopefully, that is going to come up now with the Lakers. Normally, we're used to the opposite, though, but Dinwiddie's been shooting poorly this season. I believe he's at like 29%, 30% from three, and... If that number comes up, that will be a big, big help for your Los Angeles Lakers. Again, we're used to guys putting on a Lakers jersey and their three-point percentage dropping. But in Dinwiddie's case, I'm hopeful that the change of scenery, getting out of Brooklyn where it didn't seem like things were really going well. Uh, yeah, he's at 32% from three, actually, and 39% from the field. So he's not shot the ball well this season, but... Getting out of Brooklyn, getting to a place where LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to attract the defense. Hopefully, he's going to get more spot-up opportunities as a result. The catch-and-shoot threes. We already looked at, at some of that earlier in the week, um, or it was the end of last week, where he's got the ability to hit the corner three. That's kind of his specialty right now. So if you can get those opportunities for him, I think he can be a really big help there with his outside shooting, as well as with his ability to put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket. Now, head coach Darvin Ham. And I, I'm sorry if this upsets anybody. I really am. Uh, but Lakers coach Darvin Ham did bring up the three-guard lineup. And the idea that Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves will all share the floor together. So uh, yesterday, about mid-afternoon, if you guys heard that, that super loud kind of noise, that horrible ear-piercing sound, that was the entirety of Lakers fandom screaming in terror because we are so scarred from last season and the three-guard lineups and what Darvin Ham did with those lineups. Um, I'm here to tell you, though, that it's not as bad as you think, right? If you go onto social media right now, people are not happy, not happy at all. 
with Darvin Ham for already bringing up that he's going to put three guards out there for these Lakers. Um, the three-guard lineup gets a bad rap. It does. And I'm not saying this should be used all the time, but here's why it gets a bad rap, and here's why I'm not totally sold on it working with this group, but here's what happened and why so many people recoil in horror when the idea of a three-guard lineup comes up. So when Lakers fans were first kind of introduced last season to Darvin Ham's three-guard lineup, the three guards that were being used were primarily Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder. Those are your, your one, two, three. So what's the common theme between all three of those players? None of them were shooting well from three at the time. Russell Westbrook historically does not get defended behind the three-point line. Dennis Schroeder was not shooting well from deep. Patrick Beverly was not either at that moment. And so not only were you small, because all three of those guys, they're they're not like six, seven guys who are playing point guard and, and just happen to be, you know, bigger dudes out there. No, these are smaller guys. Russell Westbrook does fine on the boards, but these are, are physically smaller guys out there on the floor, too. So you're giving up a lot of size on the court and you're not creating any extra spacing because teams didn't respect them behind the three point line. It was awful. It didn't work. It was terrible. Um, sometimes Darvin Ham had to go to it because of injuries and things, but it was challenging, let's say. That's me being diplomatic to watch on a night-to-night -night basis. Then once the trade deadline hit and that three-guard lineup became D'Lo, Austin, and Schroeder, suddenly it worked. In fact, it worked really, really well. Per 100 possessions, that group was better than a net plus 40 per cleaning the glass. Like that's, that's unsustainably good. That's like ridiculously good. Why do we still then recoil in terror? Because that's also the group that got the Lakers crushed in the Western Conference Finals. That's not on that group. That's on Darvin Ham for losing his mind in that moment and deciding that the group that he used, whose skill set was best suited to beating the Golden State Warriors, who play small, was also the group that he should put on the floor to start the series against the behemoth Denver Nuggets it went about as poorly as you would expect it to. Um, so we still kind of have this negative association with the three-guard lineup. My concern with it in this, and Darvin Ham even hinted this group could close, apologies to Rui Hachimura, right? I mean, that's, that's basically what you're insinuating, is that you're running the starting lineup minus Rui and with Spencer Dinwiddie in it. Now, Dinwiddie is 6'5", is, 6'6", uh, six, 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 so he's got the ability to defend a bit on the perimeter. He's a little bit bigger. D'Lo is a bigger guard. He's 6'4", but he's a 6'10 wingspan. Austin is 6'5". So these guys are, are have decent size to them. And Spencer Dinwiddie's probably the best defender of the group. My concern is that, well, I expect Spencer Dinwiddie to fit into that Dennis Schroeder-esque role. That's what Darwin's going to ask of him. But my concern is that he's also going to expect Spencer Dinwiddie to do Dennis Schroeder things defensively and there's some things that Schroeder can do because he's a blur. He's insanely fast. Now, Dinwiddie is quick too, but he's not Dennis Schroeder on defense. Now, on this team, can he just focus in defensively and that's going to make him a little bit better? Hopefully, that, that could be a thing. Is he a better defender than Austin and Dilo? Yeah, probably. Probably, so that'll help. But that's my concern. I think Dinwiddie will be fine as a catch-and-shoot three guy. We know Austin and Dilo can shoot. I'm not that worried about the floor spacing with that group. 
I'm not that worried with the dribble penetration. I think there's a lot of drive and kick opportunities there. The real question, what it all hinges upon, is can Spencer Dinwiddie act as a point of attack defensive player? Because by default, he kind of has to. If you have a guard on the perimeter that you need somebody to defend, it's not going to be Austin Reeves. It's not going to be D'Angelo Russell. It's not going to be LeBron James. It's not going to be Anthony Davis. That's part of the reason why Jared Vanderbilt on paper fits so well with this group. It's because he can be that guy that defends the other team's best player, uh, or best perimeter player. And that's probably going to fall on Spencer Dinwiddie's shoulders when Darvin Ham does unveil that lineup. Little interesting that he's already talking about that lineup, maybe closing games for him when they haven't even stepped foot on the floor yet. I mean, hey, hopefully it works out great. Hopefully this lineup is fantastic. But I'll tell you what, the most important thing from this is that Darvin deploys them at the right times. In other words, if you're playing a team that's going small, fine, roll them out there. I know, I know fans are upset about the three-guard lineup thing. It can work. It can work if you use it at the right time. The time to use it is not when you're playing supersized teams. It's not. So as long as Darvin uses it at the right times, unlike what we saw in the playoffs, again, he made the right choice to use it against the Warriors, just made the wrong choice to use it uh, against the Denver Nuggets. But some of this residual frustration, fear of a three-guard lineup that we have is unwarranted. And so I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to give this a shot, see how it looks, see how it goes with those guys out on the floor together, and then go from there. I'm not going to immediately dismiss this as some massive mistake. Now, if he's playing a supersized team, yeah, probably don't roll that lineup out there. Bet US, we are America's favorite sports book. And to celebrate our 30 year anniversary, we are giving 125% sign up bonus and up to 30 risk free bets. So, what are you waiting for? Join now. Everybody go check out BetUS. They do have that 125% sign-up bonus. You can check the link in the description down below. Super, super easy to use. You can go over to the site, find any NBA game that you want. Really, pretty much any game from any sport that you want. Very, very simple. You've got the big yellow box right here. Get started. Super easy process to get going on BetUS. Again, you get that 125% sign-up bonus, bonus, and then look, you can go find anything that you want. You can go find Lakers-Pistons, which is coming up tonight. You can see the odds there. The Lakers right now, the favorite in that one. BetUS, though, has tons and tons of options. Super easy to use. Great customer support. And of course, all you have to do is click that link in the description down below and you can go get set up on BetUS and get yourself that 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the link in the description below. But speaking of what I'm expecting from Darvin Ham and the rotation, the minutes, the Lakers' minutes, what are those going to look like now with Spencer Dinwiddie in the fold? And I really think a lot of people have been asking me this, what does the rotation look like? In fact, some of our uh, channel members were asking this. By the way, if you guys if you guys aren't familiar with our Lakers Nation channel membership program, click the join button over on the YouTube channel, and you can see all the uh, all the perks that membership offers. In fact, we do a weekly uh, members only live show where our channel members get to come on stage and talk Lakers with us and all kinds of stuff. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, we're going to be doing our next one on uh, Wednesday. We're going to go Wednesday at noon uh, Pacific time. That's going to be uh, our next one. So uh, so we'll do that tomorrow, noon Pacific time. We'll be our next channel members uh, only show and it'll be live at, at noon Pacific time. So channel members can jump on then. But uh, 
As far as the minutes go, breaking things down here, you know, I, I really am expecting something similar to what we saw with Dennis Schroeder. I think that that was the hope for Gabe Vincent was that Gabe was going to fill that Dennis Schroeder role. And so this is kind of what I'm imagining we're going to see. Now, Max Christie right now is hurt. He's going to be reevaluated after the All-Star break. So maybe this changes after Max Christie uh, is, is available. But for the moment, and of course, Cam Reddish when he returns too, maybe this shifts things a little bit. But for right now, I'm expecting D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves to, to start at the two guard positions. I'm expecting both guys to get about 35 minutes. Now, is that going to be exact? No, but about that, right? So between the two guard positions, you've got 96 minutes, 48 minutes each position of court time to take up. I'm expecting um, D'Lo and Austin to take up 70 minutes of that time. And, and that's just kind of a rough average. That's what I'm anticipating. Now, I think Dinwiddie gets 20. And Dennis Schroeder, depending on the game, sometimes we'd see him play more, sometimes less, sometimes he'd be 22 minutes or whatever. But I'm throwing him in there at 20. So that puts me at 90. The remaining six minutes, I think, go to Torian Prince. Well, they'll do some bigger lineups with Prince at the two and, and say Rui Hachimura at the three or maybe Christian Wood in there or something like that. That's kind of what I'm imagining the minutes breakdown is going to be. And fortunately, because Dinwiddie is a veteran, I really think the Lakers are just going to throw him right into the fire because they don't really have much of a choice. You know, Max Christie isn't there. Cam Reddish isn't there. I, you could go to Skylar Mays, sure. But I think that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to get put right in there. He's going to be right in the mix. And that's what I'm expecting the minutes breakdown to be from here on out uh, until Max Christie comes back, Cam Reddish. That may change it. But 35 minutes for D'Lo, 35 minutes for Austin. Dinwiddie at about 20. That's a very Dennis Schroeder-esque role for Spencer Dinwiddie, which is, again, what I'm expecting. And then Torian Prince picking up, say, six minutes or so, playing the two. And, uh, and off you go. That's what I think it's going to look like here moving forward for the Lakers rotation. And then the other guys, of course, Rui, LeBron, AD, all these guys, Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, they're all going to pick up minutes uh, on the wings and then uh, at the center spot as well. So that's what I think things are going to look like starting tonight against the Detroit Pistons. Speaking of which, let's talk about that game a little bit here. Lakers-Pistons. So this is, the Lakers are a heavy favorite in this game, first of all. Uh, looking at it right now, they are an 11 and a half point favorite as I'm recording this. So it's expected the Lakers are going to win this game. However, I would be careful. I would be careful. Detroit has actually won. They're actually four and five in their last nine games. Four and five in their last nine games. And in those four wins, there's a win over the Sacramento Kings, who the Lakers are trying to chase down for the playoffs, uh, for the playoff mix, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who's one of the bona fide top teams in the Western Conference. So I don't think you can look at Detroit and just say, well, this is a gimme. We just show up, hand us our W, and we'll be on our way. I think if you do that, you're going to lose. You can't do that. You can't do that. And here's what's really working for Detroit right now that maybe wasn't working quite as well earlier on in the season. Part of it uh, has been, I mean, Jaden Ivey is going berserk. He's been fantastic. The month of February, which is only five games so far, but for the month of February, the dude is averaging 26 points per game. Jaden Ivey is. Yeah, combined, and remember, he's playing with Cade Cunningham with 26 points per game shooting 60% from three. Now, is that sustainable? No, but right now he's on a hot streak. 
And of course, it's right before he plays the Lakers. I mean, they gave the Pistons gave the Clippers a run the other day. They did. He's shooting 52% from the field overall. So he's been fantastic. Add on to that, Cade Cunningham. He's obviously great. He can do just about anything. And then Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran has been an absolute beast on the boards. He's averaging for the month of February 14.6 rebounds his last two games. 18 rebounds against the Clippers, 22 rebounds against the Blazers. Now that game did, did go to OT, so he played 37 minutes, but he played 37 minutes the night before that too in a regulation win over the Sacramento Kings. So he's going to get heavy minutes. He's going to be battling with Anthony Davis, and this is a guy that can really cause some problems on the glass. And it just so happens the Lakers, they've been struggling on the glass. They're one of the poorer rebounding teams, especially if we look at that that same uh, time frame. The last nine games, they've really been struggling. They're down near the bottom of the NBA in terms of rebound percentage. So that's something to really keep an eye on, and that is how the Detroit Pistons can stick with the Lakers here. You get Jaden Ivey going, going off. You get Jalen Duran beasting on the boards. Cade Cunningham doing his thing. And the Lakers aren't going to get a lot of second chance point opportunities. In fact, they've got the worst offensive rebound percentage in the NBA. They don't really go for offensive rebounds all that much. On top of that, you're probably not going to get very many of them because of Duran and his rebounding ability. So you're not going to get a lot of second chance scoring opportunities against Detroit. Meanwhile, they've been really good on the glass. They can generate some second chance scoring opportunities of their own. And to top it off, guess what? Over the last nine games, Detroit is also second in the NBA in three-point percentage over the last nine. Again, a lot of that is Ivy. He's been on a heater, but still, second in the NBA in three-point percentage. Man, the three-ball, it's the great equalizer. Teams that are not close in talent, they can make up for it if they can get hot from deep. We've seen it happen. I mean, look, the, the Lakers, they beat the Boston Celtics without LeBron and AD. How'd they do it? They got hot from three, in addition to a number of other things, but that is a major, major weapon. Fortunately, guess what? And you would not expect this. Third in the NBA in three-point percentage over the last nine games. It's your Lakers. That's right. Suddenly the late now credit to D'Angelo Russell, who's been on a heater. So that's a big part of it. But the Lakers have actually been shooting the three ball pretty well. So while the Lakers have not been doing a good job on the boards, the Pistons have both teams have been hitting threes. If the Lakers have an off shooting night from three and the Pistons don't, this thing could become a game. If it goes the other way and the Lakers continue to hit the three ball at a high rate and the Pistons do not, the Lakers should run away with this thing. The other big differentiator between these two sides that we need to keep an eye on, it's the turnovers. The Pistons have struggled in the turnover area, whereas in recent weeks, the Lakers have done a much better job there. In fact, they've been one of the best teams in the NBA at taking care of the basketball. Now that they've got D'Angelo Russell back in the mix, hopefully that continues with Spencer Dinwiddie now coming in, and there's not too many miscues by adding a new player. But the Lakers have been really good at limiting their turnovers. The Pistons, not so much. They've been turning the ball over a lot. So that's another area that the Lakers can exploit if and, and probably make up for the rebounding advantage that the Pistons have is by turning the Pistons over, getting out and running, and getting opportunities to score in transition. That's going to be important for tonight for the Lakers as well. Again, right now, the Lakers the heavy favorite, but... You don't show up, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's the Pistons, doesn't matter who it is. If you don't show up, 
prepared to play for this game, if the Lakers start getting their minds to the all-star break and what vacation they may be going on or something like that, this is the time of year when weird stuff happens because players start to look ahead to the break. They do that. You can drop a game that frankly you can't, you can't, this is, it's a little bit of an exaggeration here, but this is pretty much a must win for the Lakers. This is a must win. And here's why. It's not so much that, yes, their se- their season is over if they don't win it or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of hyperbole there. But if you look at the Lakers' schedule, you look at the schedule ahead. Oof. I mean, you look, that I, I say this all the time. I said it heading into the season. The most important thing that you need to do to get to where you want to go in terms of the NBA playoffs, it's you have to win the games you're supposed to win. This is where the games that you've lost that you shouldn't have lost come back to haunt you. When you start looking at your record, you go back and you see the back-to-back losses to Houston and Atlanta. Okay, that hurts, right? Losing to Utah in Utah, that one hurt. You go back a little further, ouch. You went four in a row. You lost to Memphis, right? Memphis at that point had John Morant. That was unlucky. You lost to Miami, a game that, that you kind of got it got beat by a, a Heat team that was missing a lot of players. Probably should have won that game. Lose to Minnesota. Back-to-back schedule makers keep giving the, the Lakers the Pelicans on the second night of a back-to-back. You dropped that game. You lost to the Bulls. You lost a game you probably shouldn't have to New York. You dropped a game to San Antonio. All of these hurt when you start to add them up, these games that you shouldn't have lost. Now, again... We look at the Lakers schedule, Detroit, Utah. These are not the top tier teams. Um, they come back from the break. You get Golden State, San Antonio, second night of a back-to-back. Boy, you better beat them this time. But then look, look what's coming up. This is why you have to stockpile wins. Winter is coming. Look at this. Phoenix, Clippers. All right, then you get the Wizards, but it's second night of back-to-back. Denver, OKC, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Sacramento, Golden State. That's like that's like two and a half, three weeks. And you're playing, aside from the one game against Washington, you're playing all the top tier teams plus Golden State, who you're competing with right now for playoff seating. Holy moly. That's this is why you have to, because like if you go 500 through that stretch, you're ecstatic. You're ecstatic if you go 500 through that stretch. This is why you have to win tonight. You have to win tomorrow, even though that's the get-out-of-town game tomorrow where guys are going to be getting ready to go off to their vacations and everything. they got to focus, get the win in Utah, got to focus, get the win tonight uh, against Detroit, and then and then flip over to vacation mode. You can't allow yourself to switch off too early. Okay, by this point, you've heard me talk all about Dewar jeans, how much I love them, how comfortable they are, how I can wear them around the house or also out to dinner. They look great, all of that. I need to let you guys in on my latest idea here. And frankly, I can't take credit for it. This is my wife's idea. So I was going to get another pair of Dewar pants. And I was looking at the no sweat pant here. If you guys are on the YouTube channel, I'll show you what, what they look like. So a nice looking pair of pants, right? And they're supposed to just feel great while still looking good, which is kind of doer's whole whole thing, right? Well, I was going to get them in the color that you see on the screen here, which is the the slate, which I think looks great. I was also considering this kind of fog color, this kind of softer tone. I have a lot of black t-shirts. I thought, okay, I could wear a black t-shirt with these. My wife said, wait, 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 wait. We've got a cruise, a vacation planned 
for after the NBA season calms down and everything late July, right? We've got this trip plan. I hate dressing up in nice slacks that are super uncomfortable. It drives me crazy, especially when I'm on vacation. She said, no, 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 get them in black. And I bet they're going to look just like dress pants and you won't be as uncomfortable as if you're wearing dress pants. And I went, oh, that is a great idea. So that's what I did. Sure enough, they arrived and they are just as comfortable as all the other doer products that, that I've got, the doer jeans. They're great to wear, just lounging around the house, but they look like I'm wearing normal, like nice dress pants. And then I was looking on the site and wouldn't you know, there they are, voted as the number one best gift for business travelers by USA Today, the no sweat pant. It's this balance between a nice presentable pair of pants and comfort. Okay, obviously, this was not me stumbling onto something. This is not some revolutionary idea, but I'm so glad my wife told me, get them in black, and now you can wear them in places where you need to look nice and you won't feel nearly as uncomfortable. They're made of this super stretch fabric. They feel great, again, just like my doer jeans do. And now I'm super excited that I've got something that gets me out of having to wear my uncomfortable dress pants. So doer jeans, again, guys, go check them out. Shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. You can even go to their flagship store in Los Angeles or in Denver or head to that website. Shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. Don't wait. Get 15% off. Go to shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. You guys will not regret it. Go check them out. All right. Last thing that I want to talk about on today's show, and it'll be a little bit of a shorter show, but that's okay. We do have the live show coming up tonight after Lakers Pistons. And of course, there's been a lot going on over the last you know week and a half or so. But last thing I want to talk about, it's the Lakers and their star hunting strategy. So a lot's been made of this. You know, there's been a lot in the news recently about well, the Lakers, you know, Mark Stein had something on the Lakers and Trey Young uh, yesterday. And I did a little video for Lakers Nation, the, the YouTube channel about that. And the Lakers potentially being in on Donovan Mitchell or he's back, Kyrie Irving. Gosh, we've done so many different Kyrie Irvings over the years. But um, the Lakers being interested in bringing in any of those guys and potentially using their as many as all of their three available draft picks this summer. It'll be either 2024 or 2025 plus 2029 and 2031 Lakers will have first round picks that are tradable um, this summer when we get to, to the draft. So the Lakers are rumored to be interested in all those guys. I still think they're probably going to reopen negotiations for DeJounte Murray. I think that'll probably be a thing. Um, that's what tends to happen. Deals that don't get done to the trade deadline. They get picked up again, uh, usually uh, in the summer. So that's what I would expect. But I do think they're going to gun for Trey Young. They're going to gun for Donovan Mitchell for Kyrie Irving. I think there's legitimacy to that. So heading into the season, we talked all about how the Lakers didn't pursue a three-star strategy. They went for depth and why that was such a great thing. And on the surface, it, it was and it is. The problem they've had is that most of their depth has not lived up to their contracts. When you look at Austin, you look at Rui, you look at Gabe Vincent, certainly. I mean, all the, all the guys that they signed to contracts. I mean, D'Lo, I guess, has, has now officially lived up to his contract, probably, and then some. He had a slump for a while, and that was rough. But uh, but D'Lo now has it going. So we'll take that. But you look at the guys that they paid. Jared Vanderbilt, he's not lived up to expectations because he's been hurt so much. Some of it's been due to injury. Some of it's been just guys not playing as well as you would hope. Um, So that depth hasn't 
provided as much bang for your buck as you would have hoped. The problem with the three-star strategy is, in theory, you're sacrificing a lot of depth. And we'll see how many pieces the Lakers would have to put into a trade to get a Donovan Mitchell, like how many salaries you would have to add in. Could you do a deal maybe without losing all of your guys, without losing Vando plus Reed? Rui, but you know what I mean? Like having to put in a bunch of guys, can you still have a little bit of depth left and mostly use those picks as the driving, you know, buying power to get one of those guys? That's going to be, I think, important. But I think the other part to this that's got me a little bit more optimistic. Well, there's a couple things. Number one, I think the Lakers as a franchise organizationally are realizing that, you know what, LeBron James, even if he's, even if he picks up his player option, which I, I still think is the most likely outcome, but who knows? Uh, you know, Mark Stein said there's multiple teams already that think that if they draft Bronny, LeBron will come play for them for a lot less than the 51 million the Lakers are offering or his player option with the Lakers offers. But I still think he picks up the option. But the reality is for the Lakers that it's coming, right? Even if it's not this summer, LeBron's time is coming. He's not going to be there forever. And so what do you do after that? Well, if you already have another star in place, that makes it a lot easier to turn the page to the next era of Lakers basketball. If you already have Trey Young, if you already have Donovan Mitchell, you already have Kyrie Irving, you've got some of these other guys that you could turn to. And by the way, I would rank them, uh, age being a big factor here, I would rank them Mitchell, Trey, Kyrie. You, I think you could flip-flop Kyrie and Trey if you wanted to, but just age being a factor, I would go Trey and, and given, you know, we're talking about longevity here with the Lakers. So I that's how I would rank it. I would go Donovan Mitchell. He'd be my clear cut, number one. What do you want for him? Here, take it. That's, that's Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, then you have Trey, then you have uh, Kyrie. And who knows who else may come on the market. It, not even a guarantee that all of those guys are going to arrive on the market. But I think having that other star already in place to play with Anthony Davis is important for this Lakers team because you don't know what LeBron's future is going to look like. Also, with Russell Westbrook, and this is where we're gun-shy about the three-star model. With Russell Westbrook, the problem was, part of it was just Russ. You landed Russ, and he's a terrible fit. And we talked about that a ton. The big question with Russell Westbrook was, would talent outweigh fit? That was the gamble. Talent had to outweigh fit. It did not. It did not. He was a terrible fit. It didn't work. It blew up in their faces. It was one of the worst moves we've ever seen in the NBA. So it didn't work. But these guys all fit much better. Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving. Why do they all fit much better? Because they can shoot. Because they can shoot. That's what you need alongside LeBron and AD. You need guys who can shoot. And all of them can do that. Right? They can all also handle the basketball, which I think is an important thing to take some of that burden off of LeBron James. Uh, are they all good defensive players? Not really, especially not Trey and, and Kyrie, but but you can you can make up for that. They're all guys who can score the basketball as well, who can go on a heater, who can hit shots from deep, can do all kinds of things. So fit-wise, these guys are much, much better than what we saw the last time around with the three-star model. And again, I know we've got just like with the three-guard lineup that we talked about, we've got this negative perception of the three-guard build. And in general, I'm still in favor of surrounding LeBron and, and Anthony Davis with uh, with depth. But I understand, given the situation, given the kind of ticking clock, or I guess 
slowly draining hourglass uh, that is LeBron James, you know that if there's the opportunity to get another star, it's in this organization's DNA to do so, to have another star, another marketable player that can help lead this team in a post-LeBron era because Anthony Davis is already into his 30s. You know, he's expected, and I think he has, I think he's been the Lakers' best player this season. He's expected to kind of take that torch, but he's been the best player. But I think we also know that Anthony Davis can't be the guy by himself. You need to have somebody else with him. And so I think if the Lakers have the opportunity to get one of those guys this summer, and I don't know if they will, but if they do, it makes a lot more sense than going after Russell Westbrook a couple summers ago did because, again, they're better fits and we're getting closer to that time when if you don't get another star now, you're going to be scrambling to try to find one without LeBron. And you're going to be hoping you can find somebody else. Otherwise, how long is it till Anthony Davis asks out? Right? I mean, that that's what we could be looking at. If you don't have another guy, you don't have a competitive team after LeBron sails off into the sunset, that, that could put Anthony Davis, an aging Anthony Davis, in a difficult position. So that's why I think that this strategy the Lakers are now looking at, well, it, it is by no means a guarantee to work. No means is a guarantee these, these star-level players are even going to come on the market. They're going to be available. They're going to be attainable for the Lakers. No means a guarantee that, that the Lakers aren't just going to get outbid, which I think they will in some of these cases. But if they can figure out a way to get this done this summer, I think it would go, I think it would make some sense for them to do. I also think that it might help placate LeBron too, right? Like if if draft night, you pull off a move for Trey Young, it wouldn't shock me if shortly after LeBron says, hey, I'm picking up my option. And that's something we know the Lakers want. They want LeBron to retire a Laker. They want him to pick up that option. They want him to play the remainder of his career in L.A., what does that mean regarding Bronny? All of that. We're going to be talking about that a ton in what's going to be a very intriguing, stressful, and, and very important summer for the Lakers. But again, something to keep an eye on, that three-star model that we're going to keep hearing about. Mark Stein, again, just had the thing about Trey Young, and the Lakers are probably going to be going after him. So will the San Antonio Spurs. Other teams will get in the mix, too. I think it actually does make some sense for the team this time around. And that's not just a reaction to the depth model not quite working out the way that we hoped it would this season. It's also some of the particulars, some of the people that we're hearing involved, and uh, as well as the situation with LeBron currently. All right, Lakers Nation, let me know what you think, though. Is the three-star build the way to go for the Lakers? Let me know in the comments section down below. Don't forget, come join us over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Watch Lakers versus Pistons directly with us. It's always a lot of fun. We get to all hang out together, watch the game together. It's a good time. So go join us again, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation game starts at 730 Pacific time, or you can come to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, and you can watch our play-by-play as well, which will be right there. Till then, everybody, see ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.